Welcome to CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman. I'm a practicing physician and a CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. And today I have with me Dr. Sarah Cash, and she is a physician informaticist who's currently, I believe, at uh, the University of Kentucky and has a really interesting background. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you would, your background is so unique here in informatics. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got into informatics, your current role, and what you're doing now? Because I'm reasonably certain that there are very few options trading informaticians out there in the world. But (laughs) you may be the first one I've ever met for sure. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So my clinical background is in family practice and psychiatry. When I started a residency program over a decade ago, I was on paper charts and we quickly went to two different EMR systems, Cerner in the inpatient setting and Allscripts Touchworks in my clinic. Uh, Of course, they didn't talk to each other. (laughs) And so there was a lot of frustration, a steep learning curve for me as a resident. And it really piqued my interest into the world of the electronic health records and informatics in general. We had a consulting group that was on site. The name of that group is GIC Informatics. They specialized with providing physicians to help other physicians during things like implementation and optimization opportunities. That piqued my interest because here were doctors helping other doctors. So I got a business card after three years of uh, family medicine residency. I gave him a call up and said, hey, are you guys still in business? And if so, do you have any projects that I could join? I'm interested in getting a little bit further involved with informatics. So that was how I transitioned. That was the beginning, I should say, of my transition from clinical practice to informatics. I did several roles consulting on Cerner projects all scripts projects and epic implementations and it it evolved from there ultimately i worked for gic informatics as a consultant for a little over 6 years during the last couple of years i've been doing this pretty much full time as a consultant one of the challenges or opportunities depending on <laughs> your perspective is that sometimes you can have downtime in between projects and so i had a few months in between a couple of projects that i was on i took a trip over to africa with my mother and grandmother and we did a habitat trip and it was amazing and i started becoming more interested in geopolitical types of issues how things were affecting our stock market And so I taught myself the stock market. It started from just being interested basically in what was going on around the world, how it's affecting different economies. And again, that was stimulated by my trip to Africa back in 2017. Um, Also, then when I came back home, I thought, I need to see what my 401k is doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I, I started 
doing some analysis on where my money was being invested. And then I started looking at the, the credentials and qualifications of the people that were making those decisions, what it took to become a stockbroker, so on and so forth. And, and and I realized that I could teach myself this. It would take some time, but I was definitely interested. I've always liked numbers, graphs, data, and doing uh, analysis of lots of different types of information. And so it it really became a hobby a side gig, if you will. (laughs) And it kind of went from there. So I still actually do day trading and swing trading with regular equities, ETFs, options, different types of securities. And I do that on the side. But primarily, I still my full time job is still working in informatics. So I'm not sure how they relate. I don't know that they do, but it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely given me well, actually, I take that back. It's given me a very good perspective on the the business side of things when it comes to healthcare organizations because one of the things that I did have to learn was how to analyze a company's financial reports. And so that did help me understand the more of the business side of things, the financials, I should say, when it comes to healthcare organizations. And so understanding their perspective, what lens the CFO is seeing things through when you're in executive steering committee meetings, it does help you to understand where they're coming from. And it does help you to sort of help bridge that gap um, between informatics or informaticians, the clinical folks executives and help to to be a liaison and really to be a champion to help kind of move things forward, get people on the same page and move things forward. So I guess it does relate a little bit. Okay. I think the parts that will resonate the most with the CMIOs out here, doctors helping other doctors, that statement, absolutely. That's what we're all about. Yes. What we probably are weaker on, but really should be better on is that financial knowledge piece. That is so important to making sure the initiatives that we're doing are aligning with the goals of the organization, being able to understand the financial situation the company is in are critical aspects of leadership. So I love that you have that knowledge. I think it's great. Thank you. Tell us a little bit though about what it's like being a consultant because CMIOs typically they they either come up from their own organization or they hunker Mm -hmm. down in one organization for a long time. Mm -hmm. Being the consultant, you're swinging in and out of different organizations all the time. What's that like and what do you like about it? Yeah, it is a, it is a, a different perspective than than a CMIO. And you're right. The the different projects that I've been on, what I have seen is oftentimes a CMIO is sort of what do they call it, voluntold. <laughs> we have this role that we need filled. We really want someone that is a physician that has the trust and and the rapport, a uh, good rapport with their colleagues, somebody that is interested in informatics and IT that can help us bridge that gap. And I've seen people that are in the early stages of their career jumping into these roles. I've seen people that are transitioning into, quote, retirement. And this is a good way for them to not completely be out of clinical medicine, but to do something different. So it is a different perspective that I bring to the table as a consultant, because as you said, I am in and out of different projects and different organizations of of all different sizes and types. So that's good. There are challenges involved. One of the biggest challenges, obviously, is getting to know the people at the organization that I'm walking into and developing a rapport with them and building trust. 
that needs to happen very quickly when you're in a consulting role. The typical project that I'm on lasts anywhere from a few months to over a year, two years at the max. But during that time, the reason the organization is bringing you in as a consultant is because there's a gap that needs filled. And they want somebody that is the subject matter expert. They want you to come in. They need the help. But a big part of being able to help any organization is getting their people to trust you so that they know that when you're giving them advice, it's coming from a good place that you're there to actually try to help them move the needle forward a little bit, so to speak. So I'm not sure if I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> okay. So building trust fast is, is a key component to consulting, it, it sounds like. Do you do you like it, I guess? The, the unpredictableness of it is, I guess, one of the I guess, pros and cons. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, I love it, to be honest with you. I like to travel. I like to meet different types of people. I like to see different levels of organizations and their their strategic initiatives that they have set into place. There's such a variety across the country. I've done projects in California, Michigan, Florida, Texas, Ohio, sort of all over. And I've been in different size organizations, large and small. And it's given me a very unique, well-rounded, I think, perspective on just the overall themes of how to get things done, depending on the resources, personnel resources, financial resources, and depending on the level of buy-in of the stakeholders, it, it really drives projects to move in a variety of different ways. And I like it. It's challenging for me. It's fast paced. You don't have time to get very comfortable. You certainly aren't complacent. You're always on the move, trying to make things happen, trying to really, like I said, help projects move forward in whatever capacity that you can. And then you're on to the next project. So <laughs> it's for me, I like it. There's a lot of travel involved. So you have to like to travel to be a consultant. <laughs> mm-hmm, sure. But there's definite perks to that. One of the perks is the the travel points and the miles that I've accumulated. That's how I was able to take my mom and Nana to Africa. So we did it on my travel points. So there you go. It comes for full circle. Fantastic. So is it mostly implementation work that you're doing or do you ever get involved in projects around governance or analytics or other areas of informatics? Yeah. So when I very first started, the majority of the projects that I did were implementations, some optimizations. I have been involved with some with some governance as far as IT governance. How do you set things up? What's the best way for us to roll out this project and set up work groups and so on and so forth? I do a lot of workflow redesign just because obviously clinical workflow is something that is very near and dear to me. I've experienced the frustrations of it um, personally. And so it helps me to be able to empathize with the clinician and also understand what it is that they're looking for. Currently, I am at the University of Kentucky and this role is a little bit different. They are currently on Allscripts, Touchworks, and SCM. They are converting to Epic in a couple of years. And they brought me in to really provide legacy support, but once I got on site, <laughs> as as oftentimes this can happen as a consultant, your role changes. And like I said, you fill in the gaps wherever you're needed. So currently what I'm working on at University of Kentucky is I'm working with Philips. They are implementing 
what's called an ECAT ICU program here at the University of Kentucky. It's actually a huge opportunity for them. So it's enhancing care through advanced technology. And ultimately, it's it's not really what I would consider monitoring. You're really involved with the ICU at UK. On the other end, you have highly skilled nurses that have been ICU nurses. You have clinicians, physicians that are board certified and U.S. trained doctors on the other end. And you can really kind of help provide a second set of eyes for the patients. It's also very reassuring to the families of the IC of the patients that are in the ICU, obviously. But we can do things like second medication verification where we can zoom in and and provide that that second verifier to the nurses. There, there's a lot of, of utility wound checks. There, the potentials are huge. We're just getting started with this project. So that's one of the things that I'm helping out here at the University of Kentucky. That's one of the things that I'm helping them with. The other project that I'm on is actually with 3M uh, or M-Modal with their Fluency Direct software, which is a dictation software. They currently were using Dragon and they switched over to M-Modal. But what's nice about this technology is that 3M offers computer-assisted provider documentation. It's their CAPD program or software, and it's really a natural language uh, software program that assists them with clinical documentation. So it really helps to bridge the gap between the physician in real time who's dictating or typing and the CDI person that are sitting somewhere generating queries that oftentimes you get in your inbox. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. could be a month later. And then you're trying to go back in and kind of recreate what that visit was. This helps the clinician. It prompts them. It helps them with their clinical, clinical documentation in real time. So I think there's a huge opportunity for this software too. So I'm on kind of two different projects uh, while I'm while I'm here working at UK right now. It does sound like you're busy. I'm pretty sure I deleted a couple of those CDI messages from my inbox <laughs> without looking at them. Wait, no, wait, that's not right. I didn't say that. That's not true. Um, I love your honesty. <laughs> so let's say there's a provider out there who's interested in informatics, mm-hmm. has thought about consulting, has the, the ability to do it in terms of the mobility, how do you get into consulting? You just took a leap, it sounds like. Is that how it's done? That It's not, my path is not what I would consider a typical path. Like I said, a lot of people that kind of branch over into informatics that are providers are typically kind of voluntold or they see a huge gap or need in within their own organization. And so a lot of people bridge that gap by continuing to practice and then uh, dabbling a little bit in informatics. The best piece of advice that I would have to give to a provider who is looking to make that change or wants to get involved and wants to see how we can help other providers through technology is to start doing things like listening to your podcast. (laughs) That's a great resource, right? Podcasts are a great source of information to kind of get a pulse on what's going on out there in the environment. Another thing is to join join organizations like HIMSS. They have a wonderful... online database of 
of articles and just lots of resources where you can start to read and kind of familiarize yourself with what is this thing called, quote, informatics, right? Because it's such a broad term. And I think that it's important to kind of be able to differentiate what it is that you're interested in within the field of informatics, whether it's data analytics or it's being a a physician champion, a physician liaison for your organization, whether it's being a, a principal trainer. There's a lot of different roles within, quote, clinical informatics. So I think the first steps are just to start educating yourself on what all is out there and what all is available and what you might really genuinely be interested in. Something that I think that has helped me to be successful in making the the transition is that this is something that I'm passionate about. And so I feel it's important for people to really find what their passion is and then to go for it. Hey, that's great advice. What's been your favorite project that you worked on or the one where you walked off the project and you're like, that was phenomenal. We had such a huge impact. Well, honestly, the Phillips project that I'm on currently, like I said, we're just getting started. We just are kicking off Go Live actually this week. So while we're just getting things rolling, I I do see the potential impact. Part of this program is being able to get out into the communities and to kind of remote in to distant sites within the community to help provide your community physicians with an added layer of intensivist support. I'm originally from Huntington, West Virginia. So coming from an Appalachia region where we have of course, a, a, a shortage of healthcare providers, but also difficulty for the patients and their families to be able to drive sometimes a couple of hours to go see your family, especially if someone is transported off to the in, to the ICU at a facility a few hours away. It there's something to be said about being with your loved ones while they are in the hospital. We certainly know that it improves outcomes for the patient, and so being able to get to give those services and get back into the community. I think that the potential for something like this Philips EICU product is huge. As far as previous projects that I've been on, I got to tell you, I was down at Baptist in Pensacola, Florida. This was a couple of years ago. And I did a workshop or a classroom training for a month solid where I was in a room and we would have physicians rotate in and out whenever was convenient for them to get them trained up on the system. And we had a lot of resistance for good reasons. There's generally a lot of resistance. I think change is difficult for everybody, but a huge moment of satisfaction came for me after the training when I was rounding in the clinics and I was able to work with a specific provider as one of their top generators as far as revenue goes. And he just absolutely did not want to make this transition. He had his his way of doing things and was not going to give in. And um, being the top generator uh, for revenue within the whole organization, of course, it was quite a challenge. But being able to work with him and sit down with him one-on-one and understand why he was feeling such resistance, what the barriers were, and being able to help him understand the importance of getting on the system so that when his patient needed to go to the ER or saw another provider that they had access to know what he was doing with them. So 
at providing that education for him and getting him on board changed his outlook. And of course, that took about a month of building a relationship with him. But after working with him and seeing him use the the software, it was amazing. It was just amazing. And that was probably one of the highlights that I've had thus far. I think that's what motivates a lot of us is when we can see another provider become successful in what they do and let them get back to their craft and not so much the data entry part and that they start Mm -hmm. to enjoy it again. That's the fun stuff. So I agree with you. That is the good stuff. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about engaging with non-clinical leaders because you have to do that in your role as a consultant, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. that and not everyone believes in this informatics stuff. They think docs should see patients and leave the admin stuff to people (laughs) that can't generate RVU. So how do you connect with them? How do you help people understand the value of what you do? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question. And it's a good point that that you bring up. Because during the last 10 years that I've been doing this, I've started to see a cultural shift. So in the very beginning, it was a hard and fast, you're a doctor, what are you doing here? You're not welcome at the table, right? You need to go Mm -hmm. back to seeing patients. And I can honestly say that 10 years later, I am welcome at the table. And I think part of that cultural shift is, how could I say this? You can only hit your head against a wall so many times, right? Once Mm -hmm. you realize that what you're doing isn't working, at some point, you do start to look around the room and you do start to ask for insight from other people. And I think in the beginning that the technology and the EMR systems were designed for very specific things. And I don't think that there were a lot of clinicians at the table. However, it's very hard to design a system if you don't have that level of insight. And so being a clinician and understanding truly clinical workflows, understanding the time constraints that are placed on providers, understanding all of the different directions that they are pulled in. Most of the time, people that go to medical school, they just want to help people and take care of patients. Then you get out in practice and you realize that's one of the hats that you wear, but you wear 15 other hats. And so there's a lot of other duties that are placed on providers. But in order for the system to really work, we need providers to be at the table, right? We need their input. We need their feedback. And I think that non-clinical administrators now are really starting to see the value in that. There are still challenges. I do still come across individuals that are more old school in their thought process. And what I do is I try to get some one-on-one FaceTime with that person where they're not in a room full of people and they don't feel the need to put on. And we can just sit and have a real conversation about what it is that they think are the barriers for what's going on within their organization. And oftentimes I'll say, if there was two things that you think that a clinician could bring to the table, can you describe those for me? And so it at least opens up the conversation. And oftentimes, if you're able to just get a conversation flowing and over time, like I said, build that rapport with them, listen to them, listen to what they have to say, listen to what's important to them, then you can much better understand where they're coming from, what their frustrations are, And being able to understand those things then allows you to address those things head on. Hmm. 
do you find that you need to show a return on investment that to get into your next engagement you need to go and say hey i was able to improve uh, provider efficiency x percent or that they were able to save x number of dollars by improving their coding or th things along those lines do you get into those kinds of conversations with senior leaders I certainly have in the past if they ask me directly, but honestly, Mark, I have to be honest with you. I've been very blessed throughout my journey. It's taken some turns that I was not prepared for, but oftentimes when one door is closed, four more doors open, and word of mouth for me has served me very well. My mother taught me when I was a young child, no matter what you do, do it to the absolute best of your ability and work hard. Always work hard and make sure that people know that you do provide value for the services that you're giving. And so whether somebody's looking or not, I'm always working. And when you're on a project for six months or more, people see that. They know who's the workhorse that's getting stuff done. And so I have been very fortunate that I have a good reputation in this industry and word of mouth has actually served me well. So I've had CMIOs of one company or of one healthcare organization contact the CMIO of a place several states away and say, hey, we had a physician informaticist that really was able to help our organization. You know, we think you should reach out to her. And I have been able to go from project to project pretty much by word of mouth. I think that's great advice that you gave, though, in terms of absolutely putting your best forward, which mm -hmm. we all try to do every day. But right. uh, I think as a consultant, you really are dependent upon word of mouth sometimes. And I think that's really fantastic that you can get that next engagement starting to line up as you're doing such a great job on your current one. That's really impressive. Thank you. Uh, so I want to let you go. My usual wrap-up question here is if there's anyone who wants to reach out to you, are you on any of the social media sites where people can get in contact? Absolutely. The best uh, way to reach out and get in contact with me is LinkedIn. I check that every day and I oftentimes get emails from people that are wanting to know how did I get into this and and I'm happy to have conversations offline and online with them. Also, you can reach out and send me an email. I'm very quick to respond. My email is cashsarah at outlook.com. And so, yeah, anybody that wants to reach out and, and connect, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. And lastly, do you have a stock tip for us? No, wait, I'm kidding. It's not this kind of show. Sorry, I got, got off track there. I love it. I love it. Sarah, thank you. This has been phenomenal. Great information for us CMIOs to hear what other physician informaticists are doing out there. So thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you'd like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode. Thank you.